Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Tesla Inc. fourth quarter 2017 financial results Q&A conference call. Please press star one now if you would like to join the question queue. And we're targeting a weekly production rate of 2,500 vehicles by the end of March. We were in a deeper level of hell than we expected. It was the title of a 1990 MIT book about Toyota. You know, we, we can send a roadster to the asteroid belt. We can probably solve Model 3 production. Twin Falcon landing was probably the sickest thing I've ever seen in my life. The most fundamental difference is thinking about the factory as really as a product. You know, there's not like, there's not like tiny people in the, in the car. Not many people are opting in at this time. Thank you, Elon. All right, thank you. Hello and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi and I am your host. I hope you enjoyed that uh, intro. It was kind of fun to do. There was some really cool little sound bites from the Tesla fourth quarter earnings call. And I thought I would turn that into something neat. This show is going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk about Tesla's numbers. And then I'm going to, I pulled some clips from the earnings call. It's not the full um, call, earnings call. So that's good. But it is going to be a lengthy show. Uh, But there's some important things. There's important things about um, how the Model 3 is progressing and where the problems are. And we'll talk about that once they, uh, once we get to that part of the show, but it also there's some other news on uh, Model Y, which I think is exciting. They talked about Tesla Semi a little bit, but uh, I clipped that out because ultimately there really wasn't anything there. But let's talk about, oh, before we do that, let's talk about some good news. One uh, little bit of good news, as I've uh, stated in the past, we've had some nice bumps in our listenership. Nothing that's crazy, but nice, nice bumps. So I was looking at another Tesla podcast, uh, the Ride the Lightning podcast on uh, iTunes, and I happened to notice that uh, Ryan McCaffrey, he's doing, he's got a show in automotive, and so do I. So I clicked on the little automotive link in iTunes, and it brought me to the iTunes automotive page. Guess what I found? 
kilowatt was on the front page of the automotive section for iTunes, like right there, boom, front page. And I was like, well, that's weird. So um, I went into uh, my wife's computer and I went and I looked and it was still there because I didn't know maybe because I subscribed to it in iTunes, maybe it's like, uh, you know, this is in there. So we're just going to add this. So it looks like there's something in the front page, but no, it was genuinely in the, on the front page of the iTunes automotive section uh, for away from uh, some, well, not four ways surrounded by some really popular automotive shows, uh, podcasts. So that was really cool. And that's all due to you guys for actually subscribing, subscribing, subscribing and listening. So thanks very much for that. Really appreciate it. That boosted my confidence quite a bit. Um, oh, and there's other, let's do this before we talk, cause this is going to be really long and I'm sure at the end, uh, you guys will be exhausted. So take lots of breaks. But before we talk about that, let's just kind of get out of the way how uh, to get a hold of me. And we'll just do the end part in the beginning, shall we? Let's see, good notes. Where's good notes at? There we go. If you want to email me, it's bodie at 918digital.com. You can follow me on Twitter at 918digital. Uh, there's a phone number that you can call and leave a message. It's 918-401-0071. Although... There is a gentleman who keeps calling this number thinking that uh, I am a person that owes them money. It's, they're pretty entertaining. Actually, they don't think that I'm the person that owes them money. They think that I'm the brother of the person that owes them money. So those are pretty entertaining. Um, they're not violent or anything. They're very professional. But uh, every time uh, I see a, a message that says, you know, you have a message on for uh, this phone number, the 918 phone number, like, oh, exciting, somebody called in. And then it turns out to be like, hey, we're looking for your brother, beep. I was, oh, yeah, that's not me. Uh, but if you leave a message on that line, I will put you on the show. And uh, if you so wish. Uh, let's see. You can go to the website at kilowatt.bz. Not a lot going on there right now. Uh, Time-wise, I haven't had time to put anything up, but I have lots of things in the queue. And then I think one of the reasons why I was lucky enough to be on the front page of the I, the automotive section in iTunes, um, notwithstanding the fact that you guys download and they probably take that into consideration, is that everybody who um, left a review, that really helps, and it helps move up the rankings. So if you haven't left a review yet and you want to, uh, or if you haven't left a review yet and you want to support the show, please do that because it really does help. Um, I also have sticker packs for iOS. If you're interested, you can look in the show notes. I have plans to do more, but right now this is where it's at. And finally, in the area of support, I set up a Patreon. I talked about this a little bit last week. Um, basically, I pay for this show, and primarily I pay for this show by driving Lyft when my kids go to school. It's not an insignificant amount of money, but it's not a significant amount of money either that I make driving Lyft. But I'm when I'm driving Lyft, I'm like, man, I really wish I could just work on the show. This is my favorite thing to do during the week that's not family-related. And I... I don't know. I always feel guilty because I think I should be working on the show instead of working, driving a car for Lyft. And I don't have a lot of fun doing it. 
So I set up a Patreon page um, just to give you a little bit of an idea. And this is uh, not at all bad. Um, and I don't mind it at all. But I spent over, well, I won't tell you what I spent for the year. But just for that one trip that I went to Monterey to talk to the Lucid Motors folks, that was over $1,500 that I spent to do that. Now, I don't mind doing that. Um, it just means that I have to find the money from somewhere else because I can't take the money away from what we're doing to support our family. It's got to come from a secondary source. So my hope is, is that as Patreon, if you would like to uh, support the show, and you don't have to, but my hope is that um, as the Patreon numbers come up and I, I have... I'm going to be very transparent about it. You'll see how much money per month that I'm making and how many Patreons, patrons there are. But my hope is, is that as that dollar amount goes up, I can st uh, just stop driving Lyft or at least slow it down significantly so I can work more on the show. Because I want to bring more um, people on, but that takes, like, I have to have free time to do that, and I have to be available when um, the people that I want that I would like to have on, I have to be available when they're available. And as I am a small podcast that really, uh, you know, relatively a few amount of people know, um, that makes it even harder to get guests. So I'd like to have uh, guests, I'd like to have a co-host, but I've got some goals on the Patreon page, uh, which is patreon.com forward slash kilowatt, which is K-I-L-O-W-A-T-T. Anyway, um, I'll put the link in the show notes. But the first goal is if we, when we get 10 patrons, I'm going to give away a uh, Tesla power bank phone charger. If you haven't seen it, it looks really cool. It's very pretty. It's about $45 or something of similar value just in case for some reason that's not available anymore by the time I get 10 patrons. Um, but what that is is it's a little phone charger that you throw in your bag, and you can plug your iPhone or your Android phone into it either way. So it works for both phones. And the contest will actually be open for everybody once we get patrons, sub subscribers, or not. Um, but if you are a patron, uh, you get uh, additional entries. Five at the lowest level and 40 at the highest level. There's only three levels that I'm asking. I don't think you should pay as much for Netflix for a podcast as you would for a podcast. So I have a dollar... $1 gets you the RSS feed for the show, which at this point in time is basically you just get my, you know, you're supporting the show and you get a thank you. Um, and if I have a guest on, you'll get the pre-show and the after-show part. But uh, if I don't have a guest on, it's just the regular show. Uh, the $3 level, you get all of the um, same stuff you would at the, you know, pretty much the same stuff you would at the dollar level, but you also will get a kilowatt sticker. And I'm if I'm open to changing these if you guys think that these are dumb. And uh, the $5 level, which will get you access to the Slack channel. And I don't know, if you don't know what Slack is, go check it out. Uh, try, type in Slack um, app uh, into Google. It's a really cool way for people to get together and talk. And then you also get a kilowatt sticker. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not very good at creating pledges. If I'm being honest, I'm not very creative at it because I support a number of podcasts, not not a ton. I think it's five or six podcasts. 
but I don't um, I don't seek the pledges. So like uh, Daily Tech News show, I pledge five dollars a month for that show, uh, but I don't I can't I I don't ever pay attention when I get the, hey, you got this from Daily Tech News Show. So I don't know what works and what doesn't. I just want to support uh, people who are creating cool things. And I hope that you would also like to support me in creating something cool. And I want to create, I want to give you value for your money. This is really what it comes down to. I want to give you value in the terms of the show. And I want to give you value in terms of what you're getting is worth it. If you're paying $5 a month, um, I want you to feel like you're getting your money's worth. I don't want to cheat anyone. So um, check that out. I'll put the link in the show notes. And if you decide to uh, become a patron, I would really appreciate that. It just kind of, like I said, it helps out. It's not going to cover all the expenses, but um, as much as humanly possible. Um, and then allow me to do some other cool things with the show. I want to, like I said, I want to have guests on. I want to have... Um, co-hosts on like Brad. Um, I have another friend who's really smart. He's a programmer that I'd like to have on the show. Um, Sierra is always a lot of fun to have on. I have another person, uh, a friend of mine who is uh, not a huge fan of electric vehicles. He kind of thinks they're a fad, but he is a very fun person to talk to. Um, And I think he would be really good on the show. But all of this takes time. And if I'm driving in a lift car, I don't have time to meet other people's schedules. So this is going to be a slow ramp. If you have suggestions, please email me, Bodie at 918digital.com. And uh, yeah, I'll stop that for now. Let's see. Let's talk about Tesla's earnings, shall we? And something else to tell you. It is so hot in Arizona right now. It is, it's February. I'm in the recording studio which is you know as many of you know a closet and like I can already feel my ears sweating in my little earmuff Sony headphones Um, it's real pleasant real pleasant (laughs) and and we have a very long way to go so let's talk about since this is a Tesla earnings or the Tesla uh, fourth quarter uh, earnings report show so Tesla, they delivered $3.3 billion. That's that's how much they made, except for they lost money. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to go through all of the numbers, but I'll give you the highlights here. Uh, maybe I will. Hold on one second. I want to see how many cars they delivered. Okay, here are the highlights. They delivered a record number of SNXs in uh, fourth quarter 2017. They have a cash balance of $3.4 billion right now, from what I understand, and I didn't verify this to look it up, so don't quote me, or do, but just know I might be wrong. their bill, they're burning through about a billion dollars a month. I don't know if that's accurate. Um, their total revenue in 2017 was 11.8 billion, which is up 55% year over year from organic growth. 
2018 revenue growth is expected to be significantly higher than 2017. And they're going to continue to work towards having uh, building 5,000 uh, Model 3s a week by the end of Q2. So that is something that got hit a lot in the, uh, in the uh, earnings call. They delivered 28,425 Model S and Model Xs uh, in the fourth quarter of 2017. They only delivered 1,542 Model 3s. Now, right now, they will go through, and we'll talk about it. The modules are part of it, the battery modules. And um, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to ruin the, the, all the stuff that I've set up. Set up. But uh, those are definitely slowing down production. And we talked about that where Elon was up on the roof in uh, Sparks, Nevada at the Gigafactory uh, trying to get that solved. Uh, he said he spent Thanksgiving in, um, in the Gigafactory trying to resolve these issues. So it's certainly something they're working on. Um, and I anticipate that they will eventually get it um, down. Uh, but once they get these cars at 5000 and 10000 a week, uh, that's going to be a huge amount of revenue for Tesla because there's basically all these people that are sitting, roughly over 400000 at this point, that are sitting on waiting for that car, either the $35,000 model or the dual motor model or the floating model, whatever model that comes out. Uh, one other thing before we start into this that I thought was quite um, positive was that uh, it looks like Model 3, fingers crossed, it looks like Model 3 is, or excuse me, Model Y um, is going to be announced sometime in the next six months. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. That might be a time when I actually sit down with my wife and I'm like, I'm going to spend $1,000 so that we can spend $40,000 in two years. Are you okay with that? Um, I tried to do that with the Model Y, and it didn't seem like she was excited about that. So I was like, okay, cool. I put it on the back burner. burner. And it turns out she thought that I put the money down the whole time. So, you know, surprises in a marriage. But let's start with uh, the first call this is uh this is not a call this is just elon giving um an update on uh model or excuse me he's giving an update on um i just got a text from a friend that's watching game of thrones and he found he he, he just found out that uh, lord bolton the guy that skins everybody is not a nice man sorry it's distracting <laughs> anyway uh, he's just kind of given an introduction. Uh, 2017 was obviously a big year for Tesla. Uh, we launched the Model 3, which is our first mass production vehicle. Um, and uh, it's, it's a huge step change for Tesla. Um, a lot of challenges, but uh, I think we made tremendous progress on that front. We also uh, designed uh, and installed and got into operation the world's largest battery uh, in Australia, the largest battery by a significant margin. Um, and that battery is exceeding its performance targets significantly. Um, we also unveiled the uh, the Tesla Semi, uh, which is a super heavy-duty truck, maximum load uh, semi-truck, and the next-gen Roadster, which we believe will exceed uh, gasoline's 
sports cars on every dimension. And uh, we also achieved record production uh, and deliveries of Model S and X. And overall, I think, um, well, there were challenges associated with Model 3 uh, ramp. Um, you know, at the, 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 the we're in a deeper we were in a deeper level of hell than we expected. Still, still a few levels deep, deeper than we'd like to be, uh, but swiftly um, exiting, I think. Um, and so it was really, I think, on balance, a phenomenal year. Okay, so that's really more of a uh, rundown of Tesla's greatest hits for 2017, which it is. There's no doubt, like that, uh, the the group that has that battery in uh, Australia, that that power pack plant. They are very, very pleased. It's making money hand over fist already. Millions of dollars. Next up, Elon gives us a update on the Model 3 and kind of where the challenges are. Let's listen, shall we? Um, as for Model 3 production, we continue to make significant progress every day, and we're targeting a weekly production rate of 2,500 vehicles by the end of March and 5,000 by the end of Q2. Um, and as we'll talk about, as you see in the letter, uh, the quarter of a quarter production of Model 3 is rising exponentially. Um, so I'm hopeful that people think that if you know we, we can send a roadster to the asteroid belt, we can probably solve Model 3 production. Uh, it's just a matter of time. So and and, and really the error bars on the timing are, are really quite small in the grand scheme of things. Okay, so as you can hear, uh, by the end of Q2, which uh, Q2 starts in March, so we're looking at the end of June, we're hopefully, fingers crossed, we're looking at 5,000 vehicles a month, which is 20, or excuse me, 5,000 vehicles a week, which is 20,000 vehicles a month, which is still not enough. Um, at the end of the year, if they're producing 5,000 vehicles a month, they won't even get through halfway. Ha they won't even get halfway through the reservations that they currently have, if my math is right. Uh, next up, uh, Elon's going to talk a little bit about uh, the financial future for Tesla. I left this in here because of the. Uh, I think it's important. Uh, there's a lot of people, and, and I've even done. We've talked about it on this podcast that think that. Tesla's just going to run out of money. And I think Elon does a pretty good job of explaining um, why they're going to be in good shape in 2018 and in years to come. So it's 2018 is likely to be a very big year for us. At some point in 2018, we expect to begin generating positive quarterly operating income on a sustained basis uh, after hitting 5,000 per week of Model 3 production. Um, and I am cautiously optimistic that we will be gap profitable. Um, it's not a, not not it's not certain, but it's I'm cautiously optimistic that uh, we will actually be uh, gap profitable with uh, no asterisk. I have no idea what gap profitable means, but it seems like a good thing. If I'm being honest, uh, it, it seems like I would like to be gap profitable if possible. I don't know if I can be. Um, I don't even know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it seems like a good thing. The, this is where we start. The next part is where we start the questions. Uh, the, you know what? Most of the time on these, people ask questions that have, A, already been asked or 
um, B are just really dumb. And this was actually a really good set. There was only one guy, um, and I didn't put him in here, but I was tempted to. Uh, that was like, I was just like, what the heck are you talking about, dude? I have, I have no idea what you're talking about. The other thing that I find really annoying, if I can just carry on this thread for a second, is why does everybody need a little color? Can you, can't, can you just ask, can you give me some more information on this? Why is it always color? That's a fancy word that I, I don't really enjoy. Although I'm going to use it for the title of this show. Uh, because, you know, why not? Uh, now we're going to start getting into the questions. This next guy from wherever he's from, he's going to praise the SpaceX launch, which I would like to do because that was pretty awesome, especially the landing of the Falcon 9 rockets. That was amazing, the tandem landing. If you were going to make a movie and that and have those land, you'd be like, that was fake. Both of them are not going to land at the exact same time just like that. That is absolutely fake, but I don't know. I guess, I don't know. This is all, I guess, fake and made up, and the moon landing was fake. Because there's no way that those two rockets landed perfectly the same time. And it's just like they stuck like a magnet. Anyway, this guy's going to talk about or ask about the Model 3 production problems. And he's going to get a little color on where they, uh, where it can be fixed. Let's listen, shall we? Hi, everybody. Um Thanks for taking my question, and congratulations on the, uh, the launch yesterday. Um, wanted to just ask a couple questions. One is just um, to get a little bit more color from you on Model 3, what, what the production run rate is at the moment. Maybe if you can just provide us with a little bit more color on uh, where the challenges are at this point. On, on the last call, you talked about, I think, two of the four zones at Gigafactory that were still you know, kind of um, – an issue and, and manual operation have those been resolved? And once you get to 2,500, is is the ramp to 5,000? Does that just merely involve um, increasing line speeds? Sure, I'll try to give as much um, uh, color as possible. Um, it, you know, I am reminded of I think it may have been Churchill's line about um, uh, sausage. If, if you if you like uh, uh, Sausage and, and respect the law. You should watch neither being made. Um, the, and to some degree, that is true of a production ramp. Um, so, you know, there's, I wouldn't read too much into the day-to-day -day battles of this or that. But I'll, I'll, I'll give you the color, but don't, don't like, don't read too much into it. Um, so, um, yes, there, there are four zones in module production. Module production is fundamentally uh, the limiting factor on um, model three. Uh, output, uh, which is ironic since battery modules really should be the thing we're best at. Um, and I think in part we were probably a little overconfident, a little complacent in thinking that this is something we, we know and understand and uh, put a lot of attention on other things um, not uh, and, and just got too comfortable with our ability to do battery modules um, since we've been doing that since the start of the company. This is totally how this goes. How many times have you had a project at home, like just, oh, this is going to be simple. This is the thing that I do the best. And then it turns out, oh, uh, this is not what I expected. it, And it is not the thing that I do the best. And now I'm living in hell. Uh, I think that's, that's what he's talking about here. Let, let's listen on. See what else he has to say. Um, and of the four zones, two of them... Um, 
which, which was subcontracted to the, the production systems were subcontracted to other companies, flat out didn't work. It turns out, like I mean, we were promised they would work, they, they, and that just didn't work. So we had to do what would normally be maybe an 18-month uh, development cycle for uh, a production system of that uh, scale and complexity, um, and try to do that in basically six months, or maybe a little six, six, six to nine months. This isn't significant, but they had a similar problem when they moved away from Mobileye, where they had to pretty much write from the ground up their autopilot software, which has now put them even further behind because autopilot still doesn't work. And they will actually talk about that a little bit later. Um, but he's going to add a little bit more color on getting everything to work here. And we, we've tackled that on on multiple levels. So we, we, uh, we have a design um, that is nearing completion for a new automated system for Zone 1 and 2. Uh, that uh, is being led by a Tesla Grumman team. Uh, it's an excellent design. All the other work that they've done has been has performed to spec, um, and we expect uh, a single Tesla Grumman line to be equivalent to uh, three, if not four, of the like, the current lines that we have, um, and be smaller, which is made kind of amazing. Um, and then we have what we call a, a semi-automatic line. Um, which is uh, a, a series of small automated um, stations manned by people. Um, and they've actually been remarkably effective. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually something to renewed my faith in humanity, um, that um, the rapid evolution of progress and, and the, the ability of people to adapt um, rapidly uh, has um, is quite remarkable. Um, our semi-automatic, our sort of semi-manual, semi-automatic line um, is exceeding uh, all three of the uh, the automatic lines uh, right now. So, um, and that is something that we're able to scale quite rapidly. I mean, JB, is there additional color you'd like to run out? Sure, that's a that's a great summary of it. Um, I think much has been made about the manual uh, production of modules, but it's really not very accurate. These are these are, as Elon said, semi-auto lines where we have people that are, you know, moving materials perhaps between the machines that are actually performing the operations. But there are, there is still a, a degree of automation doing the operation. Right. It's not artisanal. Exactly, um, and you know this is what has been ramping, you know, quite effectively in the last. Uh, in the, in the first half of the first part of this year, yeah. so um, you know we're we're continuing to uh, to expand that those semi-auto lines, and um, you know that is effectively bridging uh, the gap as we redesign the full automation and uh, bring that online. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty quite sort of uh, actually. I think I think it's probably worth um, providing some tours for investors that are interested, so you can actually see firsthand. I think a lot of it is like. If you see it firsthand, you will understand exactly what's going on. Um, and so I think I think let's arrange for some new tours for investors that are interested, because um, I think you can get really get a feel for what it is. Otherwise, it's just some words that are kind of hard to put, uh, hard to imagine. I also just want to add. I think it's fair to say that you know this maybe degree of. Uh, you know, complacency that happened at the end of last year has been pretty thoroughly replaced by an intense focus from a huge portion of the Tesla team. 
And there are a lot of different initiatives and teams, whole teams, you know, targeted at this area. So I mean, as Elon opened with, it's it's not a question of if we will get to the production rate. It's just a question of the matter of time. So I just realized that we have a large number uh, of, of listeners, almost, well, more than double, uh, than what we had in January. They may not know what this is all about. And I, I, I want to just kind of take a, a moment to break this down. The Model 3 has some battery uh, issues, and the issues are they're made differently. Panasonic, which helps Tesla make the Model 3 battery and also um, makes the Model S and Model X battery, from what I understand, that's may or may not be done. I think it's done in Japan, but I don't know. Anyway, the Model S and Model X are run off of different battery architecture. The Model 3 is a whole new battery module and this is where they're having the problems. The the power packs, excuse me, the power walls also have the this type of power uh, module in it. So this is kind of where they're running into trouble. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting is that Tesla Grumman, which is that company that they built uh, that automates the machine, that that's the machine that builds the machine uh, in Germany. They are working on the problem, and as Elon said in there, and I don't know how clear it was, they they have it working. Um, it's a matter of tearing it down, shipping it to the United States, and building it. And they have it working faster, and this is all just for the battery. This doesn't have anything to do with any of the other Model 3 problems that may exist. Uh, it's going to be significantly faster than what they have now, the three other lines that they have. So I guess this will be the fourth one. So... Just kind of add some uh, color to their uh, to the question and and kind of what they're talking about. Um, this gentleman's going to ask a follow up question, and it's it's uh, we still get some good information here. If I if I could just clarify, what's the run rate now with semi automation, and and when are you expecting the fully automated line to to come on? Well, it's, it's probably a level of granularity that, that uh, is not productive to dive into in terms of exactly what is coming from which, which operation. Um, but we do expect the, the new automated lines to be landing and, and starting up uh, at the Gigafactory in, in just the next, uh, you know, well, you know, landing in sight within this quarter. Yeah. Okay. So we expect the, the new automated lines to arrive next month in March. Yep. Um, and then it, it's already – it's been uh, – it's it's working in Germany, um, so then it's got to be trans it's got to be dis disassembled, um, brought over to the gig factory and reassembled, and then um, brought into operation uh, at the gig factory. So it's not a question of whether it works or not. It's just a question of disassembly, transport, and reassembly. Um, exactly. So that's you know so yeah, um, and so so we expect to alleviate that constraint. Um, that. With, with alleviating that constraint, that is that's what gets us to the roughly uh, two to two and a half thousand unit you know, per week um, uh, production rate. Um, the next constraint would be material conveyance at our Fremont uh, uh, vehicle plant, um, and um, so there's a, there's, a, there's a very sophisticated. Automated, automated parts conveyance system. That's like we think is probably probably most sophisticated in the world, or at least we're not aware of one that is more more so. And um, 
and, and the software for that is, is quite complex. So that's, that would be the next um, constraint on production to get to 5,000 is the conveyance system in, in Fremont. Um, so that, that also appears to be on track. So um, yeah, we feel like the, the, the error bars around the uh, unit volume predictions are getting smaller uh, with, the, with each passing week. Okay, and so the next one, uh, that last clip pretty, is pretty self-explanatory, so we won't go through that. But the next one, this guy's going to ask Elon about his um, tenure extension, contract extension, and uh, what happens after, after that. And Elon has some pretty interesting answers on not only what if a better CEO comes along, but what he would like to do um, instead of running the company, what he would like to do for or in Tesla as an employee, I guess. Uh, Elon, uh, your kind of compensation, long, long-term long compensation plan obviously got a lot of attention and uh, raised some questions, uh, however, long-term from now on, on succession. Just wanted to ask, you: do, do you see your successor as CEO of Tesla, someone currently within the company right now or from outside the company? Kind of, how do you see well, that? The, Thanks. I, I mean, there's no, there's no active search going on or there's not even or, or passive, so active or passive search going on for a new CEO of Tesla. I expect to remain CEO for the foreseeable future, um, but uh, at some point, if there's somebody really spectacular inside or outside the company who could take on that role, and for you know who'd want to, um, you know, ha have that title and that that role, and uh, that that would be fine with me, and I would focus on a product development, uh, which is you know design and, design and engineering, which is what what I like doing best. Um, so but there, there are no no plans to, to make change at this time. So, okay. One thing that I like uh, about Elon is a lot of people would see that as a, I'm the CEO, I'm going to be the CEO, and uh, that's it. And don't bring this up again. Uh, he's open to somebody that's better at running the company than he would be to coming in and, and taking over and doing that part of the work and him focusing on the actual product and design part of it. And if I'm being 100% honest, and I am, uh, I would I would really like that. Like right now, between SpaceX, the boring company, and Tesla, like how much of Tesla's, I mean, I know he's working very hard, so don't get me wrong here, but how much of his big brain is being focused towards one or other, uh, another of these things? I know... I know Tesla has, or excuse me, excuse me, SpaceX has a CEO, um, and she's doing a great job, obviously. Uh, but how much uh, of Tesla product and design and, and the manufacturing that he wants to do, if he was focusing, he's focusing his, all of his attention on it, how much better could that be and how much quicker? And then another thing is, is how much would that just drive the engineers absolutely batty? Answers, I don't know. Actually, I do know he would drive the engineers absolutely batty. Uh, he would come in every morning with a new idea, and they'd be like, Hey, we still haven't figured out your old idea. Could you just chill out for a second? We'd really appreciate it. Uh, this next guy, he is going to ask a very long winded question, but at the end, 
and where it really is important is we get to hear about the Model Y, and I am so excited to hear about the Model Y. So let's hear his really long-winded question just to ask about the Model Y. I guess, Elon, bigger picture and looking out a few years, you had mentioned um, a couple quarters ago that the million-car target for 2020 um, was still there and that you would need to introduce the Model Y by then. Um, how do we connect from where we are today to, to getting to a million units a year, and, and what should we look for this year in terms of ramping, ramping production or, or you know, building a facility um, for the Model Y? We are going to make some capital investments towards the end of this year related to Model Y. I don't want to drop the gun on those, but I think we've got a, a good plan. Um, I'm pretty excited about um, the uh, how we're designing Model Y. It's really taking a lot of lessons learned from Model 3 and saying, how do we design something to be easy to manufacture instead of help manufacture uh, or, or difficult, really, you know. Um, I, I really think it's going to be pretty, pretty great and pretty scalable for the for Model Y. But yeah, we are going to, uh, as you um, suspect, need, need to make some capital uh, investments in the second half of this year, really late, late Q3, Q4 for Model Y. Um, and But I think we want to wait until, you know, wait, wait probably three to six months before announcing any definitive plans on production location um, and, and the details associated with that. Um, Is that million unit target still in play? Yes. Okay, first, notice the long pause after he says, is that million unit target still in play, which is a million units by 2020? And I think that's a million units a year. I don't remember what the question was. And the long pause, and then yes, which I think <laughs> says a lot. Um, but the other thing is, is, you know, we could hear about the Model 3, and, or excuse me, the Model Y, and possibly even see uh, production start as early as this year or next year for that matter. I'm, I, it's really exciting if I'm being honest. Um, right now, uh, if you don't know, the Model Y is gonna have the same battery module or the same battery pack as the Model 3. So once they get the Model 3 thing fixed, it's just easy for them to roll that in once those are up and running at a full speed, it's easy to build those batteries for the Model Y as well. And then you have, um, you know, they had seat problems and this problem and that problem. Well, the Model Y is probably gonna look a lot like the Model 3 interior-wise. So a lot of the engineering part, and I'm only, I'm like totally speculating here, but a lot of the engineering part is probably already done. They're probably gonna use the same screen. They're probably gonna use very similar sensors uh, the cameras, the up-close sensor, uh, the sonic sensors, and the, the radar thing that they use. So that's all probably going to be the same. The only thing that's going to be different is maybe it'll have falcon wing doors, or, or maybe they'll call them sparrow wing doors, or canary wing doors. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit bigger on the inside, and it's going to look like a little more bubble, like a mini Model X instead of a mini Model S. So while I'm not discounting that this is probably still going to be very difficult to build, with any luck, fingers crossed, it's supposed to be about the same price as the Model 3, just, you know, just a little bit bigger car. Like the Model X is very similar price to the Model S. 
um, I'm, I'm very, I don't know if you can tell, but I am really excited uh, about the potential of maybe owning in the next 18 months um, a Model Y if my wife says it's okay. I don't know if she'll say it's okay. I might get very disappointed. And if so, you'll hear about it. Okay, his follow-up uh, is going to be about the Tesla Semi. And uh, I love these... And I love these calls because you just get a little bit of um, added information straight from the horse's mouth. You're not getting it filtered through a uh, journalist or some web blog. It's it's straight from uh, the people that are making the car. It's I don't know. I don't know if you find these interesting, but I find them so interesting. So let's listen and learn about the Tesla Semi. Perfect. Yeah. And then just one quick follow-up. Um, how should we think about the, the Tesla Semi um, and investments needed there? And, and what do you guys think you can hit from an annual run rate, um, you know, in the next, let's say, two, two to the four years? Well, the big difference between two and four years, um, you know, Tesla, you know, I've, I've said, I think, even a few years ago, I think Tesla's going to kind of grow uh, at an average of roughly 50% a year, um, which which is a crazy average growth rate for a company manufacturing a complex product at scale. Um, so, so two versus four is a, a huge, huge difference. Um, but if you say like, and, and it's much easier to predict. So since these these production curves they tend they look like an S curve where you have an initial uh, exponential, um, which which you know, the exponential appears. If, since people naturally tend to extrapolate on a straight line basis, an exponential always appears, uh, the predictions are conservative in the beginning, um, and then the exponential takes off, then it becomes linear, and then it, and then it becomes logarithmic. Um, so, so it's easier to predict, or far easier to predict the, the endpoint, uh, or the steady state of the S curve than, than anywhere on that exponential or, or, or uh, log, log curve. So, so say, if you say four years, I think 100,000 units a year is a reasonable expectation. Uh, he just said that 100,000 Tesla semis a year is a reasonable expectation in four years. Does that seem really like a big number to anybody else? I don't know how many uh, vehicles like Freightliner or Peterbilt, I don't know how many they sell in a year, but I'm hard-pressed to think that they sell 100,000 98 to $140,000 semi-trucks a year. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, they are talking global, uh, worldwide. So, um, and I'm sure Peterbilt and Freightliner and things like that, I, I'm sure that they also do worldwide. But that just seems like a huge number. And bravo if you can hit it. But holy cow, that's huge. Let's continue on. Maybe more, but that's that's the right, roughly the right number, I think. Um, For the Tesla Semi? Um, Perfect. Yeah, I think we might be able to exceed the specs that we we unveiled last year too, which is pretty exciting. Um, I know there's like speculation that we we might not meet them, but I think we're going to exceed them. One thing Tesla's really good at is exceeding expectations when it comes to their products. They always come out with this big, beautiful um, display right before a car is released, and they're like, "Hey." 
we think this is going to be pretty cool. And or even the power packs or the power wall. And then once it's released, it's way cooler than you even thought it was going to be. So they're really good at that. They're not great at the timelines, but they're really good at underselling the product, underselling it in a way that it's still an amazing product. But then when you get it, you're like, oh, my God, this is a really amazing product. So, um, yeah, I, I have no doubts that the Tesla Semi is going to be better than what they announced, especially since it'll be two years before it's out, three to four, maybe. Um, it's going to be way better than, and than what they announced at the Semi and Roadster event. Uh, I don't remember what the question was, but uh, Elon's going to talk about how the plant is the product. The, the actually manufacturing plant is their product. Yes, they sell cars and battery packs and... Uh, solar panels and and power packs and these big installations but ultimately the manufacturing that is their product and that's what they want to be the best at and uh i've said this in the past uh it seems like elon feels like he's not getting heard so i'm highlighting it right here on this show that gets you know huge numbers of downloads it doesn't get huge numbers but let's highlight it now shall we just in case Elon's listening, because that would be awesome if he did. Honestly, I don't know why he would. He's just listening to himself talk mostly. Here, let's listen to him talk. Um, and and um, you know, I, I made this comment before. It's it's like people think like gloss over these comments, but I I, I would really take these to heart. Um, the the competitive strength of Tesla long term. It's not going to be the car. It's going to be the factory. Uh, the, we're going to productize the factory. Um, and, and, and really, this, this is a lesson that is, is kind of obvious in history because the, the, the Model T wasn't the product. It was River Rouge. Um, the Model T was a very simple car. Anybody could have made that car. Um, but not anyone could make River Rouge. And, and that's really... What will ultimate what will be Tesla's long-term competitive advantage? We, we, you know, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a great we'll have a great product, so a great design, a great entering the product itself in, in the vehicles, um, and uh, you know, autonomy and uh, all, all that sort of stuff. Uh, but it's the, the factory is going to be the product that has the long-term sustained uh, competitive advantage. In my, in my opinion. In my opinion too, and if you don't know. Uh, when Henry Ford was making the Model T, what he said was, is on one side of this factory, we're going to have raw materials come in. And on the other side, we're going to put out a car. It's, not, it's all going to be done from um, this end, the beginning end, to the end end. <laughs> beginning end to the end end. That's dumb. Anyway, he said the material is going to come in this door, and a car is going to come out this door. And it was kind of... Um, it allowed him to mass produce the Model T. And really, I think Elon is 100% correct. Uh, concentrating on the actual building of the product is going to make the product so much better. Because once you have that down, there's almost limitless possibilities. Physics, you know, that, that you got to stay within that and the, the laws of science. But there's other than that, there's limitless possibilities for what you can do for the car if you want to um, but the manufacturing process well that thing it's gotta just be 
like dead nuts. You, you can't have any mistakes. So from power plants to autonomy, let's talk about why Elon thinks that his way of, of uh, the car being autonomous versus Google and Ubers, which is they're using the LiDAR, why he thinks that's better. Um, it's, it sounds like the guy asking the questions being a little snotty, but we get some good information. So you want to listen to the snotty guy? Let's do that. Let's listen to him. Here we go. One, two, three, snotty. Great, thank you. Um, Elon, on your autonomous vehicle strategy, why do you believe that your current hardware set of only camera plus radar is going to be able to get you to fully validated autonomous vehicle system? Most every competitor has noted that the need the redundancy from LiDAR hardware to given the robustness of the 3D point cloud and the data it's generated. What are they missing in their software stack and their algorithms that Tesla is able to obtain from just the camera and plus radar? Further, what would be a response if the regulatory bodies required that that level of redundancy and uh, is really needed from an incremental LiDAR hardware? Here's where Elon very politely owns this guy. Yeah, well, first of all, I should say, you know, there's actually three sensor systems. There's, um, there, there are cameras, uh, including redundant forward cameras. Um, there are, there's the forward radar, and there's, um, there, there are the ultrasonics for, for near, near field. So the third is also, the third set is also important for near, near field stuff, just as it is for humans. Um, but I think it's pretty obvious that the road system is geared towards passive optical. Um, we have to solve passive optical and image recognition um, extremely well in order to be able to drive in uh, any any given environment and a changing environment. We, we must solve passive optical image recognition. Um, we must solve it extremely well. At the point at which you have solved it extremely well, what is the point in having active optical, uh, meaning LiDAR, uh, which does not, which cannot read signs? Um, it, 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 it's just giving you, a, it, in my view, it is a crutch that will drive companies to a local maximum uh, that will that, that will find very difficult to, to get out of. Um, if you take the hard path uh, of um, a sophisticated neural net that's capable of advanced image recognition, then uh, I think you, you achieve the global maximum. Um, and, and we combine that with increasingly sophisticated radar. And if you're going to pick an uh, active photon generator, um, doing so in 400 to 700 um, you know, nanometer uh, wavelength is pretty silly since you're getting that passively. Um, you would want to do active photon generation in, in the radar frequencies of approximately around 4 millimeters because that is occlusion penetrating. Um, and you can essentially see through snow, rain, dust, uh, fog, anything. So I, it just I find it quite puzzling that companies would choose to do uh, active photon, an active photon system in the wrong wavelength. Um, they're going to have a whole bunch of expensive equipment, most of which makes the car uh, sort of expensive, ugly, and unnecessary. Uh, and I think they will find themselves at a competitive disadvantage. Um, now, perhaps I am wrong, um, in which case I'll look like a fool. But I am 
quite certain that I'm not. I, I'm quite certain that he's not either. Um, he might be wrong, but I don't necessarily know that LiDAR is the answer either. The thing with LiDAR, and I've done a little bit of research, one of the things I like to do in my spare time is fly a drone. And I've been looking at drone mapping and, and 3D modeling and things like that. And there's a couple of low-cost things that you can, uh, uh, apps and, and programs that are out there that help you do this. But one of the things is I've been reading up on LiDAR. Now, I'm not going to buy any sort of LiDAR system for a drone that would cost a ridiculous amount of money. But LiDAR is really cool for certain things. Like if you're doing mapping or if you're looking at, you can actually use LiDAR to um, look at um, like pipes in the ground to make sure that there's no cracks and things like that without having to dig a hole. When I was in my, when I was 18 and just graduated high school, I spent a summer in Alaska along the pipeline digging holes in bear infested woods with nothing except for a shovel and a partner. They would take a helicopter, we would fly in, they would drop us off, and then the helicopter would take off and go do whatever it did. Um, and then we would dig a hole and then somebody would come back and put sensors on the pipe and it would do something to check the, to see if there's any uh, damage to see how thick the pipe was. And there was a whole bunch of stuff anyway. Um, but you can do that now with a drone and you just fly the route of the, um, of the pipeline. So this is all very cool stuff, but I do agree that A, I don't want a LiDAR on top of my car. B, I don't know what LiDAR is doing to my brain while I'm driving the car. Like, I don't, is it scrambling it? I don't know. Maybe that's just a little techno panic. But I don't think LiDAR is the answer either. I don't know if Elon has the solution. It's, um, I do agree that if you're going to uh, be in this game of automatic pilot, by the way, most of his descriptions sounded like Star Trek terms to me. Um, but if you're going to be in this environment or in this in this autopilot game, then you should pick what you think is the right one that's sustainable. Not um, not that the Waymo and and Uber and all those guys aren't getting valuable information, but it does make sense that you should get you should pick the one. And if you're going to invest all your money in it or a lot of the money in it, it's the right one. Now Google has the advantage of just having the infinite amounts of money, whereas uh, Uber, they have a fair amount, but they've never had a profitable quarter. And Tesla, who's also, you know, has the problem of running through cash pretty quick, um, they don't have that luxury. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where where it goes with the autopilot. But Elon, later on, he'll hear, he is pretty optimistic about uh, autopilot in the in the near future or Tesla's version of autopilot in the near future. So I cut this next guy's question off because it was quite, quite frankly, it was boring, but what he wanted to really know the nitty gritty, what would it take to use the 3170 uh, batteries that the model three and the model Y will use in the model S and X. And I think we've already talked about this in the past, but it's effectively, you have to change the whole infrastructure of the car. The Model S and the Model X weren't designed for the battery pack that comes in the Model 3, the Model Y, and the Powerwall. So there's going to be, it's not as, as simple as, let's just throw this in here. There's, there's more to it. And I, I, like I said, I've said that in the past, 
one of the other things is I think this will eventually happen, but it's going to take, uh, it's going to be a, on in when a big redesign happens for the Model S and the Model X. It's not going to be like mid, you know, Tesla comes up with a new little tweak here and there every couple of months. They're not going to do it then. It's going to be a big unveil like hardware three or maybe even all the way out to hardware four. Um, because, you know, it's an expensive thing, and they've already got a ton on their plate, most of which they put there by them on, on their own. And, you know, the semi, the semi, the Roadster, and the Model Y, and the Model 3. But in order for them to really um, do this right, it's going to have to be a whole revamp of the car. But let's hear what JB thinks. Well, yeah. um, this is JB. It's uh, it's something we've we've, of course, contemplated, but... It's, a, it's quite a, a large change to the architecture of, of the module mm -hmm. and the battery pack overall. And, you know, while, while the 18650 supply, you know, is um, somewhat of a cap at about 100K units per year, you know, even just a few months ago, you know, we, we didn't feel that, uh, that expanding and, and making some long-term bets on expanding that supply with Panasonic in Japan was, was really the right, the right risk. Um, it's something we could consider, but but right now, you know, we're we're pretty happy with that uh, that balance, and it matches our other production capabilities and our other investments. Yeah, it, it's also like for, for any um, given a complex manufactured item, in order to go past the the target capacity, you really need to move move the whole supply chain in in cadence. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So um, you really have to then shift everything. To say, okay, uh, if you want to make 20 percent more um, S and X, uh, everyone has to make 20 percent more. Um, there have to be investments in new lines, um, or it's going to require over time, which negatively affects gross margin. Um, you kind of design the manufacturing machine for a particular rate, um, and then you either have to redesign the machine or uh, go red line. Um, and um, <coughs> So I think we like, feel pretty good about the 100K a year uh, for SNX, um, and we want to focus on just uh, improving the efficiency of production. And Thank you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, go ahead. Of course, on Model 3. I mean, that, that's really yeah, where yeah, exactly. the majority of the effort is. Okay. So they explained that way better than I, uh, than I did. The Model 3 right now is, is I don't know if it's their most, most important, but it's a really important part of their business. They have to get the Model 3s out. Otherwise, they're going to lose a ton of consumer confidence. And if they're building the Model S and Model X with this new battery, um, that's going to interfere with the Model 3. Um, and on top of that, they just said that they're having battery constraints um, and they have 400,000 people waiting for a car that maybe they should just concentrate on getting that fixed. And, uh, you know, at some point, it'll probably switch over or they'll have a new battery technology and they'll put that in there and the Model 3 will have the old battery technology. And he has a follow-up, this gentleman, on the coast-to-coast um, -coast trip and why it hasn't happened. And Elon does a little mea culpa here. The other thing you guys mentioned was uh, upcoming autonomous coast coast drive, uh, which we're really looking forward to. Could you give a little bit more color on time frame when something like that would be available for customers? Yeah, the, so so we we actually um, I mean meaning to address this, but because um, obviously I'm, 
I missed the mark on that front. Um, our focus is very much on Model 3 production, so everything else kind of took a second place to that. Um, but the we, we could have done the coast coast drive, but it would have required too much specialized code to effectively ga game it um, mm -hmm. or, or, or make it somewhat brittle in that it would work for one particular route but not be a general solution. Um, so other people would be able to repeat it, but if it's just not any other route, um, which is not really a true solution. Um, I, I am pretty excited about how much progress we're making on the um, on the neural net front, um, and it's it's a little it's it's also one of those things that's kind of exponential, where the the progress doesn't seem like it doesn't, it doesn't seem like much progress doesn't seem like much progress and suddenly wow um, that's been my observation generally with AI stuff uh, and you look at say something like what um, Google DeepMind did with AlphaGo you know went from not being able to beat um, even um, a pretty good Go player um, to suddenly it could beat the European champion then it could beat the world champion then it could thrash the world champion then it could then, then it could thrash everyone, everyone well, them simultaneously. Then they made Alpha Zero, which could thrash Alpha Go, <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and where just learning against itself was better than all the world's human experts. It's going to kind of be like that for self-driving. Um, it, it'll see like, well, this is a lame driver, lame driver. Like, okay, this is a pretty good driver. Like, holy cow, this driver's good. It'll be like that. Um, I mean, timing-wise, I think we could probably do the coast-to-coast -coast drive in three months, six months at the outside. And then is it available for customers immediately, or is there a lag? Yeah, that would be something that's available for customers. Okay. Great. Thank you. Do, do yeah, sure. I don't, I don't want Tesla to do this LA to New York or East Coast, West Coast to East Coast thing. Um, if it if you can't do it the way that they presented it to us, which is basically the car is going to find its own route there. There's not going to be any interaction unless it's an emergency uh, from the driver to the car. The car is just going to find a way. It's, it's going to say, okay, um, we've got a car accident, so I'm going to go off the road and take some side roads for a little while. Uh, now that the car accident's done, I'm going to get back on the road. But, oh, no, there's road construction. So we'll, let's take this freeway, and it'll take us a little out of our way, but we're going to get there faster. That's what I want. I don't want a game system. The other thing is, right now, Tesla has some customers who aren't super happy about paying a lot of money for autopilot. And it would be nice, and they could tell ask, the guy asked at the end, will this be available for customers? And they said yes after testing. So it would be nice if those people who spent all of that money got autopilot that works. Um, this next guy, and we'll talk more about autopilot later, uh, this next guy, he's going to ask um, some basically very long questions about profit and stuff. But Elon goes into how, uh, again, how manufacturing can be better or made better. You know, I see the guidance in the letter about the quarterly operating income turning positive at some point in 2018. That's great. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are with regard to when you also might generate free cash flow. Is that less of a, a medium-term focus, you know, as you prefer to invest operating cash flows from the Model 3 into the semi-truck, the Roadster, and, and, and Model Y? 
Yeah, we, we, we could be positive cash flow, um, like I think pretty significant positive cash flow probably in like third quarter, uh, you know, which is like four or five months from now. Um, but, but we think it makes sense to invest in Model Y. Um, and um, yeah. Future growth of our energy products. Uh, energy um, products, Model yeah. Three, future growth of that, so. Yeah, the opportunities we see are just, yeah. We see really good opportunities exactly. here. Um, yeah. It makes good business case and business sense to invest. <clears throat> yeah. Super bullish on me. Can't, can't emphasize it enough. Um, and and what, what I find sort of interesting is that like the, our competitors, like, well, the, the car industry thinks they're really good at manufacturing. And actually, they are quite good at manufacturing, but they just don't realize just how much potential there is for improvement. It's way more than they think. Um, I went through this math thing on a prior earnings call, but like it sounds like some of the like the fastest car factories produce a car maybe every 25 seconds. Um, it sounds fast, but if you think of a five meter uh, long car, including gap, a four and a half meter car with a half meter gap or something, uh, that's only 0.2 meters per second. Um, like grandma with a walker can exceed the <laughs> speed of the fastest production line on earth. Um, so really not that fast. Walking speed is one meter per second, so five times faster than the fastest production line on Earth. That's interesting. Why, why should at least be jogging speed? Mm -hmm. I mean, in the limit, companies should start caring about uh, the aero drag in the factory, which, you know, that's maybe around 20 or 30 miles an hour, or to, to, to call it 30 kilometers an hour. 40 kilometers an hour. It's like stuff should be moving at that speed. So again, this is Elon doubling down on the the factory and the process of building the vehicles. This next uh, little clip, you don't hear the, the person asking the question, but Elon's going to give us a lot more information on uh, the Model Y. Now, none of it's significant, so don't get too excited, but it is information up to this point that we really haven't had. Yeah, um, the, 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 but, you know, just to give some sort of flavor for uh, optimism on Model Y front, I mean, I think, you know, Model Y, I think we, we, we might aim for something like maybe capacity of a million units a year, something like that, just for Model Y alone. Um, and uh, I think we'll be able to do that for, for CapEx that is less than the Model 3 CapEx um, at the half million dollar. So, so Probably, I, I think we can probably improve CapEx by factor of two. Um, it's not a promise, but that's my gut feel on, on Model Y uh, CapEx. Just, just to give you a flavor for level, my level of optimism on improvements to the manufacturing front. Okay, what's surprising here is a million units a, a year. I don't know how many so, uh, Toyota Corollas and Toyota Camrys are sold a year, but a million Model Ys, just Model Ys a year, that's insane. I don't know, maybe they can hit that target. I don't know. It just seems like a very large number at the moment if you look at what Tesla's putting out, uh, you know, less than 30,000 car, 30, cars a quarter, and that's all of their vehicles, the three that they have, not one. But, uh, yeah, hopefully. Let's hope. Um, yeah, and like I said before, the Model Y is going to be largely based off of the Model 3's architecture, so those capital expenditures that he's talking about, 
those are that is going to be less because they've already got that figured out. They already got the battery problem figured out. They already got the seat problem figured out. They get the fit and finish, which the Model Y has some problems with fit and finish. They get that figured out. And uh, once those all those things are taken care of for the Model 3, that paves the road for the Model Y to come in and be a much better um, car to build in the early stages than the Model 3 was, the Model X, or the Model S. Now, uh, John McNeil is Tesla's um, sales and, and service guy, person, who heads up like um, the stores and the service and stuff. He's leaving, and then Elon just kind of casually mentions that, you know, they're not going to find a replacement. He just, those people are going to report to him. So um, let's listen. Uh, actually, you know, um, one thing uh, we forgot to mention is um, uh, uh, John McNeil, uh, who is setting up our uh, sales uh, and service group, um, is departing the company. Um, uh, we wish him well in his future career, uh, and um, going forward, I will be having uh, the uh, sales and service report directly to me. There are no plans to search for a replacement. Uh, wow. Doesn't Elon have enough to do in his day? Uh, we're one person. I, I have no idea. I mean, did this guy get pushed out? Is he leaving on his own? Um, and they just are like, you know, we're just not going to fill the spot. I have no idea, but I, it feels like the Elon should have way more to do in his day and doesn't need the added uh, BS. But maybe, who knows? Um, he does have a whole staff that works for him, so I'm sure they figure it out somehow. And he's, you know, extremely productive person. Whereas, you know, I have problems with product productivity. Um, this next one is, um, I've cut off the question, but basically somebody suggests that they could use uh, the Hyperloop and um, like the Boring Company and things like that to move uh, materials between Tesla factories. And Elon adds a little, a little color on what they've been thinking to this point. We are looking at, at uh, building tunnels um, <laughs> using the Boring Company or something. Um, because we, we, we have, uh, for example, our seats production is at a separate building on on, um, on page. Um, and we have a bunch of trucks moving seats back and forth between the, the primary Fremont production and the, the seat factory. Um, and, uh, and we actually get constrained on how many trucks can we dock at the dock and undock at the, at the, seat, at the seat factory, which is only, I don't know, half a mile or a mile away from the vehicle plant. So it would be pretty easy to just have a tunnel, do an automated conveyance um, from seats to the factory. Um, and there, I mean, the things we can do where we can um, build subsystems and then transport subsystems to Fremont, um, these things get increasingly difficult, but, but they're all doable. Um, but I can see a path where we get to, say, 600,000 Model 3 for production um, and, and 100,000 SNX, so maybe 700K, uh, which would be like almost 50% more than uh, GM and Toyota got out of the plant. Um, so, I mean, that seems achievable. 
So one thing I forgot to mention is part of this guy's question was, um, how, how do you think you're going to um, get the Numi plant, which is where Tesla is right now? They um, they think that they can produce more cars than what Toyota was producing there. So that was one of the, the questions is, how do you think you can do that? And uh, obviously, Elon was saying, you know, removing the restraints uh, like the the seat thing and and having tunnels from different places, but one of the things is is like Toyota was building products there, and I don't know exactly how their whole system works, but uh, these cars don't have transmissions; they have electric motors. They don't have um, they don't have like engines; they have the electric motors. So it's a much simpler car to build, and I don't know how that affects the production line, but I would imagine it's pretty significant in terms of how much you can fit in there versus what they had to put into the the Toyota cars. This next thing that we're going to listen to is uh, somebody asked, um, for time purposes, I cut out some of these things, but somebody asks, uh, what are they seeing, Tesla, in terms of people upgrading, like they buy the car and then they can do an in-app purchase and upgrade to autopilot, for instance or upgrade to the semi-self-driving feature. I can't remember what it's called. And uh, it turns out uh, they're not seeing a lot, but there's some. But it's basically, that's a that's a revenue stream. And this guy was just kind of wondering how that was working out for him. Yeah, I think I think the probably the biggest item is um, uh, as we get the software right, uh, people upgrading to um, uh, you know, full self-driving capability of some SNX. Kind of anything with uh, hardware two, which is like you know the three hundred the eight cameras, um, uh, more advanced ultrasonics, and improved compute capability. I think we'll, we'll be capable of of um, the, the full self-driving. The full self-driving, uh, the hardware two stuff is also capable of doing an easy swap out of the computer. So it turns out we need um, additional computing capability to Meet the regulatory standards for, um, uh, you know, for, for, for self-driving, for, for, for particularly if it's like like we think with the current computer hardware we can get to better than human, but the standard for regulators may be that you need to be you know, five times better than human or something like that. Um, but we believe that is solvable purely with computer hardware, um, so, and it would be a relatively minor expense to do that. So. I think probably that's the biggest opportunity. And along the same lines, um, not all customers take our enhanced autopilot too. And as yeah. people hear more, we can see even uptick on that. So, but it's all around autopilot. To your point. Yeah, exactly. But and and that's uh, some of the, um, the sort of semi-automated driving doesn't definitely doesn't require any any hardware upgrades. And that's you know five thousand dollars. That's essentially a software product for five with. Zero cost, zero marginal, zero marginal cost, and 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 so it's hundred percent margin. Um, and then when full self-driving is available, we think probably that's that's more than a three thousand dollar increment, like yeah. maybe five thousand dollar increment or something like that. So it turns out it's the the answer is there's not a lot of people upgrading. Uh, what I thought was interesting is that uh, they did acknowledge, and I think they've done this in the past, that they need to upgrade the computer for full autonomous for regulatory reasons or the fact that maybe it just won't 
it won't do full autonomous driving with the current computer. But the problem is, is who pays for that? Is that something that's paid for by Tesla if you've upgraded? Or do you have to um, shell out another $2,300 to get the upgraded computer? I would guess that Tesla's going to pay for it, but who knows? Um, this next one, uh, Elon's talking about the shared Tesla network. And um, I don't remember what the question was that, that brought this about, but it's nice to hear that Tesla is still thinking about doing this because that's kind of how I was hoping to pay for my Tesla, at least part of the time anyway. Um, nice thing is I wouldn't have to drive a lift. So let's listen. There's also the, you know, uh, as I mentioned prior, things that we expect to um, operate kind of a shared autonomy fleet uh, where you know, Tesla is like kind of like a combination of uh, Uber or Lyft and uh, um, Airbnb, I guess, like where you can opt to have your car um, enter a shared fleet or not. And then Tesla can also operate uh, its own fleet in places where there's not enough people uh, sharing their vehicles. Um, so that, that, that's, that's a pretty significant opportunity. So in order for that to work, of course, they got to have the autopilot fixed and working. So uh, fingers crossed they have to get approved in all 50 states and federal regulations and regulatory bodies and blah, 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 blah. So... But that's it. That's the, the whole show. And I want to thank everybody for listening. It, was, it means a lot that, uh, like I said, that everybody is here. And if you stayed for the hour and 20-some minutes to listen to this podcast, I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for putting in all the hard work. Speaking of hard work, this actually took me all day. So it's not something I'm going to do every time. It's not even something I'm going to do every quarter, but it is something that I really enjoy doing. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and I will leave you with another uh, little, uh, the the new, not new outro, another outro that is just kind of fun little clips that I found. I saved the best for last and hopefully you enjoy them. And uh, yeah, and if you are still listening, you know, check out uh, patreon.com forward slash kilowatt and consider um, being a patron of the show. Thanks everybody for listening and I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you very much. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to get to everybody, but maybe one last question, please. Our last question comes from the line of James Albertine. But you don't actually ship people with the Model S. That would be weird. Uh, yeah, we don't think so. Essentially, people are buying an option. Okay, I think that's unfortunately all the time we have.
if, if you if you like uh, uh, sausage and, and respect the law, you should watch neither being made. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for participating in today's conference. This does conclude the program, and you may all disconnect. Everyone, have a wonderful day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.